You're listening to the Joy Junkie Show podcast, episode 400. You can find information on anything referenced in this episode at thejoyjunkie.com slash 400. You're listening to The Joy Junkie Show, your source for getting your shit together in love and life. Wouldn't it suck if I really talk like that? I'm Mr. Smith. I'll be hanging out on the show with you guys. So without further ado, here's your host, life coach, speaker, all-around badass, just happens to be my beautiful bride, Amy E. Smith. Well, hello, everyone. Hey, he's oh, back. Oh, you may <laughs> recognize that voice. I am really excited to have a incredibly special guest on the show oh, today. Oh my, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Yeah. This is such a special guest. <laughs> so honored. It's overwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Smith is back in the podcast room. Woo! Woo Yes. It's me in the flesh. Well, in the sound? I don't know what he's... In the vibration? Up in your Feel ear. the vibration. <laughs> come on, come on. Feel, feel it, feel, feel it. it. Come on, y'all know the words. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought that for our 400th episode, how perfect would it be to have you come back and just do a little cameo? A little boop. A little people, a little check in, a little pop up, <laughs> and where we can start talking a little bit about our relationship because we get lots of questions about true how do you make it work? You guys are couples goals, and I thought you know what it's been a long, long time since I've focused specifically on intimate partnerships, and even more specifically talked about the things that you and I have kind of implemented in our relationship that have really proven to be quite successful. I mean, we're coming up this summer in just mm-hmm. a few months on 24 years It'll be together. 24, yeah. 22, 22 married. 22 married, is that right? We're married in 90, 80, 99. 99. So yeah. Back in the 90s. We got married in 99. So yeah, 22. We'll be 22 years in August. Okay. That's what I thought. I'm starting to get where I'm not able to keep track of Me as too. Much. Oh, I'm so glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> yeah. I was feeling a little a little guilty. Well, your relationship really does change over the years. It does. It like really does. I felt in the early years like I wanted to get back to who we were at the very very beginning in mm. our like honeymoon phase. Yeah. And I realized that the way that we showed love in that honeymoon phase is very different than <laughs> even in like the further earlier years sure. like year 5, 6, you know, and then and then on and on and on through and the decades. And then into 22. Yes. Yeah. So we're going to dig into all of that. And if if you're not partnered, it doesn't matter. There's going to be some cool points and things that can be really helpful for you, even in other interpersonal relationships. So don't tune out. And plus, we're, we're a fucking good time. So before we dive in, we're going to bring back. It makes a lot of sense to do this with you rather in this topic. Now, you do you forgot how to... Enter into the jingle. It's been that long. Here's a little segment we like to call. Would you rather? <laughs> there is it? it is, babe. Is that the one? <laughs> there I do it right? Okay. Oh, the look on your face. All right. So today's would you rather is, would you rather have a time machine? 
at your disposal or a teleportation device at your disposal. Only you. You can't transport anyone else and no one else can go with you in the time machine. And are, are are we assuming that there's no adverse effects? Like you don't start? No adverse effects. Okay. No, nope, okay. it's all good. I think. Uh, yeah, there's no like changing history or things like that. Or like, like my that. molecular structure of my brain and yeah. stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, you won't turn into a fly. Well, I just want, you know, you know how they say like it, in movies and stuff, it's like you do it too many times. You like yeah, yeah, yeah. hurt your body or something. Right. I think I would probably choose the teleportation because I – so a time machine, though, I could go back and forward, right? Like I could go into the past or the future. Yeah. You would only be able to view. No one would know you were there. Oh. What about teleportation? Do I get to be there? Yes. Okay. But in a time machine, like, got to be careful with that. You could only go and view, but no one would know you were there. Okay, because then I definitely am picking teleportation. Yeah, because I think so it, too. Because if you're going back to like the wild, wild west and you can't like pull up to a saloon and like grab a good whiskey, like then what the <laughs> fuck is the point? That's true. Do you know what I'm saying? You can just see how people you just interacted back then. But then or, you might as well just watch the movie. Or you could be in like a uh, important meeting at the White House or something like that. Or Ooh. You know, you could observe, you could observe like insider trading or something. So do you, okay. Are you sure you don't want to change that? Because I, I feel like what if you said, and it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out as far as the physics of it. But (laughs) if you go, if you have the time machine, you don't adversely affect history or the future. You just are able to engage. No. Are, are you are you negotiating? I'm the negotiating that. Would you rather? <laughs> because <laughs> I feel like the teleportation is so much more appealing. Because here's where my head went. I went. Okay, this is amazing. Any retreat that I do, I just boom put myself there. Like I don't have to worry about flights. I don't have to yeah. worry about any of that shit. You don't have to be nervous about the flight. Don't have to <laughs> be nervous about the flight. But you know, I miss my brother so much, and I yeah. would love to just be like just boom. teleport there. Wouldn't that be awesome? Let me go see my brother. My yeah. best friend lives in the same state, but she's two hours away. I could yeah. just be like, "Hey, I'm coming over for dinner." Yeah. I could meet with clients in person if I wanted to. Yeah. I, that means in, I'd have to get anywhere in the world. I'd have to get dressed on the bottom half, though, which yeah. I, I haven't been doing for the last year. <laughs> Nobody and a half. has. Nobody has. We've all been naked from the waist down. I still think I'm going to pick teleportation. What do you think? I really like the teleportation. Like, oh, let's go on vacation. We'll come back tomorrow. Yeah. Like, I, we could go anywhere we wanted. You wouldn't have the delay in flight time or um, the, all the travel woes, losing your luggage. Right. Like, although it would only be you, you couldn't take anything with you. So you'd have so to. So you'd have to purchase whatever you needed there, or ship it, or ship it. You could do that. You could be like, "I'm going on." This is getting way too involved. <laughs> <laughs> but I like this way. I like how if we both pick teleportation, then we can both go on vacation together. That's true. It would suck if you That's were true. like, "You go ahead and go. I'll be there." Well, what we could do is, <laughs> you could teleport like right now, to our vacation, oh, and and then I'll wait a week, and then I'll go. Back in time <laughs> and to the day you teleported. But you can't do that because then you need teleportation as well. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, it's not going to work. The system is flawed. Uh, All well, right, I'm friends. going teleporter. I'm well, going to teleport. We would love to hear what you would rather. If you swing over to Instagram, you can find me under the handle at the joy junkie. Find the meme that features this episode, which will 
most certainly have a beautiful photograph of my gorgeous, gorgeous ass husband. Oh, please. And let us know what you would rather. I'm super curious what people would pick. Okay, so let's switch gears. Let's jump in and talk about some secrets to a very happy long-term marriage. Who has that? Us. Oh, us. We do, babes. You and me. You and me do. The first thing that I want to talk about, and I'm super curious your perspective on this as Mm. well, is that we have a really great balance of independence and interdependence. I was just thinking about that just the other day, actually. You were? Like how we are so self-sufficient in so many ways, but also codependent, but in a healthy way. So I was looking up the difference between codependent and interdependent. Mm. And I really, really loved this. So codependency, which I'm definitely not an authority on, but they were describing it as when it's an unhealthy emotional attachment and dependency on somebody versus interdependence being almost like you scratch my back, I scratch yours, where it's you're both putting effort into the relationship and it's mutually beneficial because both people are invested and also reaping the benefits of that dependence. Yeah, that reminds me of a quote. It was, relationships aren't a 50-50, they're 100-100. Right. Percent-wise. I think that was D.L. Hughley. Was it? I think so. And I I... I remember us hearing that early on in our relationship, and I remember that really changing the game for me mm-hmm. of, you know, you of course you think about, okay, two halves to make a whole that's 50-50 makes one whole. Yeah. But it's very different when you think of it through the lens of, oh, no, I'm going to give 100% to this relationship. Right. And I don't think that means 100% of yourself. It doesn't mean you only become a partner. You know, your other things besides oh, sure. a partner. Absolutely. But it's how much effort do I want to put in? I think it's in? investment. That's not, right. Yeah, it's an inve- It's a, how much are you investing, not necessarily um, all of you. Yes. Yeah. That's something that I think we've been really vigilant about from the very beginning. That's true. Pretty early on, I don't know, it's been at least a decade, if not longer, that we have pretty much separated everything in the household. So... Mm-hmm. We do our own laundry. We do our own grocery shopping. We do our own meals. We have separate sides of the fridge, pantry. <laughs> we And we have always, throughout our entire relationship, kept our money separate. Yeah. Our businesses are separate. I think we have some joint savings and we have joint investments and things like that. Yeah. And retirement and stuff like that set up. But as far as everything else, I love that about us. And we've we've vacillated back and forth where you've been primary breadwinner or I've been primary breadwinner mm-hmm. over the last 24 years. And my absolute favorite is when we're halvesies on everything. Yeah. We split the household. You pay this. I pay that. And then if we go on a vacation, we're like, okay, what's the budget for the vacation? 1500 bucks. Okay, great. You put 750 I put 750 Right. And I just love the energy of that. Yeah, it does. It feels uh, inclusive, but it also um, – what I really like about it is it really keeps arguments to a minimum. That's right. Because it's like, well, that that's your responsibility. You know, like it's on you. That's right. Instead of, oh, babe, you used the checking account, and I did too. Now we're overdrafted. Right. Ah, big argument, right? Right. Or like, oh, you ate all my Triscuits, you know, or 
you had all my chocolate cake, whatever it is, right? Yes. Like, it doesn't happen because it's like, that's my stuff, that's your stuff. And it works for us. That's not saying that it will be everybody's choice, but I think when you put a system in place, regardless of what the system is, and both parties agree on that system, it it keeps the arguments out of the situation because it's already been established. That's right. right? Well, people used to give a shit like, oh, you guys are just roommates. And I'm like, no, <laughs> we get to act like lovers because we're not fighting about yeah. the minutia of the fucking household. About we're, roommate shit. About roommate shit right. because that's what most people don't feel honored around in their household. In fact, a lot of times I'll describe it as the surface issue versus the root issue. So you'll be fighting about the dishwasher or you will be fighting about the laundry and that's the surface issue. Yeah, yeah. But the root issue is a power dynamic mm. or not feeling respected in the relationship, not feeling valued, feeling like someone owes you something. And we just don't have that because we set up the household to be really independent. But we're also very interdependent in a lot of ways, too, sure. where we're highly considerate of what the other person has going on. We want to be involved with everything. We we know exactly what the other person is going through in their work, sure. uh, in their relationship with their health, in their relationship with other people. Like we still – and that's one of the reasons why I love that household system for us is because we don't spend time – talking about loading the dishwasher mm -hmm. or about the laundry or finances even. Like it's mm -hmm. so dialed out that we have been talking about feminism, patriarchy, anti-racism, friendships, you know, stuff that's really deep. And, and we have a blast together because of that. Now, I will say this takes a very unique dynamic and it, for us, operating that way early on in like the late 90s, early 2000s was kind of revolutionary. <laughs> now there's so many more different ways to be in relationship and uh, different ways to identify and gender and all of that, which I th is I think is liberating and, and completely freeing. But I do know that there's a lot of people out there who genuinely are fulfilled by traditional roles. And if that's the case for you, knock yourself out. Right. What, that's, a, that's your system. Exactly. Right. And what we have always said is, what can we establish in the household so that both parties feel honored? Mm -hmm. And I think that's really key because so often the per the disgruntled party, whoever that is, isn't feeling honored in some way. Right. Or there's a value uh, that's being stepped on or that's not in alignment or something like that. The way that one of our... Um... One of the ways our money crosses over, like we kept our finances separate for the most part, but we both agreed on budgeting. That's right. And we both agreed that if we bought something for the house, if we, if we bought something big, that we would consult the other person. Right. We had. So they cross over in a few ways. Like That's right. Any purchase over $200 or $300, I can't remember what the number was, but anything like yep. in that arena where we consult the other person and say, do you think this is a good purchase? That's right. Especially if it's for the house. Well, even recently, I've been looking at investing in a different business program that was, it, that's, you know, seven, $8,000. And it's my money. It's my business. It's, you know, but I consult with you because I really value you. Yeah. And that's another method of the communication that we've fostered over the years is 
when one person is like, hey, I really want to share something with you, we come at it from a really open place. And I think that took many years to do instead of immediately shutting it down because that's too much money or, you know, like I remember when you wanted to go to uh, Ipsby, which is a specialized massage therapy school for it's like an elevated level of body work be like it in your master's program exactly and I remember you coming to me and, and telling me like I really feel like this is for me and I said okay if if that's the deal like we will absolutely make it happen here's one place that I would like for you to explore and I said is this another way to accumulate more education and not push yourself into teaching which you know you've always wanted to do, are you getting in your way and saying, no, let me collect more academia? And because that's how the conversation goes, it enables both of us to really stop and think and contemplate and me to say, oh, wow, this is really important to him for you to go in introspective. Because if not, if I would have been like, what? You want to spend what on how on how much on what? Yeah. That's that's not going to set up a framework for you to dig deeper. It's not going to set up a framework for me to hear you about how important it is. Well, it puts the the person that's asking on the defensive too. That's right. Right. The other thing that I think plays into that is we will ask, you know, I have something important I want to discuss. Is this a good time? Are you in are you in the mindset to talk about this right now? I can't believe you just brought I can believe actually, but that is exactly my next point. Oh, that's because I'm the Segway specialist. <laughs> uh, thank you for calling. You've reached the Segway specialist. So the second point that I wanted to make is that we've really learned, and again, this has been over time. So we're speaking in with a wealth of, of years of practice, Yeah, saying what we need and the other person not taking it personally. Yeah. Right. So right. that's a perfect example of what you were saying, where we have something that we want to bring to the table and asking, are you in a place where you can have a thoughtful conversation? And right. it's been sort of a a known thing for both of us, like, oh, this shit is serious. Do I have the capabilities to hold a heavy conversation? Right. And I think for a long time, I, because I wanted to get all these words out and I was working from home, you know, have been for over a decade and you would be peopled out and talked out because working (laughs) in body work, people, it's a therapeutic experience. People share a bunch of stuff then you get home and you're energetically depleted. And then I want to launch into a bunch of stuff. We still have to manage that a little bit, but I think at the beginning, it took you a long time to genuinely say what you needed because you feared a backlash. Well, I yeah, I just didn't want to get in the habit of shutting you down when you had something important. Like, oh, he's going to be in a place. I don't I shouldn't bring that up. You know, I didn't want you to, to get in the habit yeah of not wanting to share. Good. Well, so that's cool. One of our mantras is who's it most important to? Right. Right? And so I'll think about that like this is really important to her. I I need to listen. Right. Or I'm like, you know what? This is important to her, but I'm just not ready to receive it right now. Right. Let's put that on the back burner, come back to it another time. A perfect example of this happened the other week where you got home and I wanted to share something with you that was was heavier. I think it was it was related to pride. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
coming out and different things like that. And I asked you, hey, can I share something with you? And you said, what's it related to? And I said, oh, it's related to coming out and pride and stuff. And and you said, I don't think I have the space for it. Now, I think what happens most of the time, even if you're shut down really kindly like that, you take that shutdown as a personal affront. Sure. And so that instead of the two of us getting like, oh, well, I guess you don't want to hear what I have to say. Yeah, right. Or fine. No, nothing's wrong. I'll just you know. share it with somebody else. Yeah. Okay. It's literally in that moment respecting what the other person has going on yeah. and going, okay, cool. We can table that. We can table that. And that actually brings me to another point that I learned from John Gottman, who's a major pioneer in the field of psychology and specifically what makes marriages work and relationships work. And he has this concept called turning toward, turning away, turning against. So if we were to take that exact scenario and I said, hey, can I share something with you? Turning away might be something like just shutting down, not re- not even responding at all, or disappearing, going into another room. Mm-hmm. Turning against is when you make that person wrong. It's it's kind of the the flee and the fight. Okay. So turning against would be like, God, babe, it's always something with you. Yeah, it's where it's biting and sharp. But what we choose to do is turn toward. And that does not always mean you give the person what they want in the moment. Yeah, right. So that was an example of you turning toward me, but putting off the conversation and saying, I'm not in that space to support that right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a perfect example. That's an interesting way to put it. So what's the difference between turning away and... Against. Against. Away is like fleeing. It's like leaving. It's, okay. Okay. it's stonewalling. It's not, it's cold shouldering. It's mm-hmm. uh, disappearing into another room. It's just shutting it down, not ghosting. saying anything. It's ghosting. Okay. Yeah. Put it Tur- in terms I can understand, please. Please, please. <laughs> <laughs> because you are so hip with all the lingo. That's right. That's a little sus, babe. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, if we had teenagers, we they would, would hate us. We would have the best time. Okay, so now we have to refer to really great music, like a new song. It's called a bop. Okay. Or this bop, song huh? or this song really slaps. It really slaps. <laughs> my mind went to crazy places there. You are welcome. <laughs> so another example of turning towards, turning away, turning against would be Let's say a partner has makes a sexual advance on you and you aren't really feeling it. Turning away would be something like, oh, I have to go to the bathroom real quick. Like just try to avoid fleeing the situation. Uh, gotcha. Turning against would be like, gosh, you always are yeah. such a horn dog. Leave me alone. Like making that person wrong. Turning toward could be accepting the sexual advance. Or it could be turning towards by saying, I so love that you are coming after me and you are a sexy piece of ass. <laughs> and I am not in that that framework right now. Right. Or a counter offer. Can I go get myself like worked up a little bit and then I'll yell and ask you to come into the room or, or something, something like that. Right, yeah. But that's that's sort of the idea between between 
turning towards, against, and away. Because I think a lot of times we think turning toward means accepting whatever the other person wants. It's the yes. And it's not. Mm. It's just saying, hey, I'm here with you and I'm asking for what I need in order to show up for you really powerfully. Right, 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 right. Okay, I got you. All right, number four, willingness to be vulnerable. Mm. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I try not to. You are so vulnerable. <laughs> what are you talking about, Mr. Smith? He's I try the not cutest. to do that. Uh, it's kind of against my inner spirit. <laughs> you don't even know what you're saying. <laughs> so, willingness to be vulnerable. I think this is one of the things that is the most challenging in relationships because what we are craving is this deep, lasting intimacy. But intimacy is directly equivalent to vulnerability. So if you are entering into a relationship with all of these walls up, expecting the other person to just magically be vulnerable first – it's far more likely that they are going to have their walls up as well. Now, that does not mean that in every situation it's safe to be vulnerable because for many people out there, we're working against childhood trauma, ways in which our vulnerability has been exploited and violated. So I'm not saying be vulnerable with absolutely anybody, but if you speculate that this is a a powerful and worthy relationship for you, it could be worthwhile to start breaking down those walls a little bit or to express a little bit more about how you feel. And, and really, that's all that vulnerability is. It's a, it's being candid and transparent about what you're going through, where you're at, and what you're emotionally experiencing. Well, yeah, there has to be a level of trust to be vulnerable. How many of us have been vulnerable and had it thrown back at us? That's right. right. So we avoid that. And I think that's one of the things that we've really worked on, too, is making sure that we understand that that person just was vulnerable. How do I approach it so right. that they you know, maintain that vulnerability, even if I'm not available for it or Have the understanding or whatever it is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's something that we've spent a lot of time, a lot of years working on. And I think it comes easier for some people than others. It's true. That's true. For whatever reason, I've always been just an open book about yeah. things. And that's even, just been your nature. It, it that's has not even been. a nurture. Like that's nature for you. I really think so because there's a lot of stuff <clears throat> in my childhood that could have really thwarted that. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like if I was that way, there had to be other people else out there. Mm. And I don't think that's usually the conclusion that most people come to. And and I I just remember as a little girl, like watching different sitcoms and seeing the man and woman. There always was a heteronormative relationship and looking at well, why doesn't he just tell her that's what the problem is? Why doesn't she just say, hey, that hurts my feelings. We need to... I'm like, why do we have to have this big old thing and everyone's playing all these games and yeah. doing all this dumb shit? Right. You were a life coach way back then. <laughs> I was little and I just <laughs> – it didn't make logical sense to me. I was like, why – just say what, yeah. what's going on for you. So that willingness to be vulnerable, I think the first key is – do I trust this person enough to be vulnerable with? Mm-hmm. And my my very best friend has talked about this. We've shared this both on various podcasts that we've done together where because of different 
places in her life where she was vulnerable and got severely hurt in friendships, she was really guarded with me. Mm-hmm. And I continued to not take it personally. And I recognized that like, okay, you need a safe space to land. Let me just prove to you over and over again that I am a safe place to land. Right. And she's been and that's enabled her to be even more vulnerable of like i don't know if i fully trust anyone or if i fully trust you even and i'm like okay cool well you were just vulnerable so mm-hmm. good job yeah right. <laughs> see what i did there <laughs> but see what you did there that's right yeah. so i think recognizing where where are these relationships actually warranting vulnerability right and like the same thing with turning towards, turning away, turning against, even in friendships or family relationships, we do the same thing. It doesn't have to be just an intimate partnership. We either retaliate, we run away. What's that? People pleasing, right? Mm -hmm. Sweep it under the rug. Or we can turn toward one another. All right. So willingness to be vulnerable. Did you ever struggle with that? Did you ever feel like, I don't know if I'm safe with her? With you? No. No? No. Even at the early years? No. You're a pretty open book. But I have with other relationships and other love interests in my life. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. But it was just easy with you. Oh, babes. I think also it was very clear. Like I would bring – things would gut me and just make me so upset that were totally innocuous and harmless. That's true. And I think you realize like this girl can't lie to me to save her life. (laughs) Like, Well, I think for me like when – it wasn't even that. It was like if I – had something to bring to the bring to you, I would be careful about it because it was more protective than it was vulnerable. That's right. You know, I was like protecting you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, it took a long time for me to get past that. Once you had already grown uh, out of that phase, I was still thinking, oh, she's not going to take this well. Right. Right. So I would either not tell you or try to skirt the issue or something. But now I've, you know, we've kind of gotten to a point where we don't need to do that anymore. Yeah. There were, there were a lot of times when, I mean, a lot of that had to do with my anxiety and how bad news, especially in the early years about like something financial or, Uh you know, I got a speeding ticket or we need new tires or something like that. You would almost keep it from me, again, like you said, out of protection, but it was because at the time my anxiety was not in check and it would spiral me. And so it would induce a lot of pain. And then after I got a lot of treatment for that and was able to surmount it and really have it under control, I remember having to tell you (laughs) – Please stop treating me like I respond that way. I don't still respond that way. I need you to trust me with this information more. And also understand that hearing about it later when shit hits the fan or when it's actually – that's extra worse. More worse. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I need you to know how extra worse that is. (laughs) Okay, number five. We've talked about this plenty of times, but it's our maintenance, our daily maintenance Mm. of the relationship and, and play. We still play so much. (laughs) We make up songs for (laughs) all sorts of shit. Yeah, we do. We we will tease each other and we just have so much fun and play. And that's another piece that I think is really tethered to the independence element that – 
we can have so much fun and play with each other and have deep conversations because we're not angsty or frustrated with how someone's running the, the money mm-hmm. or why didn't this get taken care of or why do I always have to do all this? We don't ever have that. Hierarchy of needs, right? Exactly. Yeah. Being sure that you are taking care of the relationship every single day. There's stuff that we've maintained for literally decades. One is the matching mugs yeah. that we have every yeah. single morning. Coffee mugs in the morning. We have matching mugs. One of the things I think of that I thought of first the way that we text each other. Yes. Still, we make sure that it's it's not just running like a business. Like if if someone else read it, would you think that they were in love? Right. Right? Do you, would you think that they were sweethearts or would do you think that they would be involved? Or does that person sound like that person's assistant? Right. Or does it sound like <laughs> a business partner? Exactly. Or an assistant. You you brought that to me because I was st- it was probably actually y'all in the early days of texting. It was in the early days of texting. That like, was the, the whole Crackberry time. Well, when it was we, before Crackberry, actually, we got when we first got together, I we had pagers. That's right. <laughs> we had fucking pagers. Oh my god! So everybody just gasped. You you bought me for Christmas my first my very first cell phone and it was like right. t9 we didn't have even like real oh, text T9, yet that shit. so i remember you telling me like i we are not business partners we are lovers we handle business together yeah but we are lovers and what do you think about this what do you think about having a rule that we don't ever communicate with one another email text calling nothing without saying something loving and kind yes How's your day going? Been thinking about you. Just wanted to – we do appreciations all the time. Like, thank you so much for taking care of everything in the yard. Right. Thank you so much for taking care of yeah. everything with the dogs. That's a, that's a little bit different. We don't always text that, but uh, we always express our appreciation. What do we call it? We call it uh, Smith Magic? Yeah, we would call – we call things magic that are things that one person handles all the time that just magically get done. Right. So, like you making the bed or I'm, me taking out the trash or whatever. Or when you make me – Or me feeding the dogs. Garlic salt. Or Yeah, right. When you, he makes me this custom garlic salt and then when I go into the pantry and I'm like, oh, it's magic. It's magic. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah, if I handle flea and heartworm stuff for the dogs right. or you handle whatever it is. We're like, oh, my gosh, it's magic. It's magic. And so we try to make a concerted effort to – acknowledge the input of the other person in the household yes so another handful of things or handful of other things that we do we have a ritual for saying goodbye every morning that has been in place for years we debrief our day pretty much every day we are constantly making up new pet names for each other (laughs) we had my love turned into merlerve which is so great (laughs) gross so disgusting it's so gross i'm so so sorry you guys all at the same time but lately, another great little daily thing that Mr. Smith's been doing that kisses my heart is he's been cultivating this garden. We have strawberries, and he'll get these little tiny berries, and <laughs> he puts them in this little dish. He washes them and then puts them in a little dish, and it's like, there's your little berry. And this so then he started ca- for the day. calling me Little Berry. So then it became <laughs> this new pet name, yeah. right? So it's it's having those really fun elements and that has been easy because communication has been easy 
independence has been easy. Vulnerability. Vulnerability, right? So it's not it, – I think people want that part mm-hmm. to just magically show up. Right. And that part, that fairy tale stuff that we all want – doesn't happen without vulnerability, communication, respect about the other person, and personal growth. Like right. you growing as an individual, that's what gets you to the fairy tale part. That's right. But nobody wants to do that part. Right. Right. We'd much rather blame each other. Like, why aren't you doing what I need you to do, or mm-hmm. whatever. And then finally, number six is making sex important. Yes. And this has really ebbed and flowed for both of us over the years depending on our ages. And I'm pretty sure I'm in perimenopause right now. I just learned a fun fact that it lasts 10 to 15 years. So I'm like, yay, that's fucking great. That's exciting. But just For different all involved. medications that we've both been on. We've had ways in which we had to say, this is important. And showing up in a really powerful way for each of us like how do you not taking one for the team we learned that really early on that when one person is not into it mm, that's no good you guys that's a little rapey that's it's 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 (laughs) assaultish yeah 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 and nobody should be put in that position and so we we started that really really early on but then we also had to make a consistent effort to make it important have Date night, <laughs> make sure we don't get too full to fuck. That was one yeah, of our. It was fuck first, eat later. Yeah, because we, because <laughs> we get too full to fuck, especially if it's Mexican food. Yeah, Good or Italian, or Chinese, or, or pizza, or pretty much all of it. Yeah, pretty much anything. Well, pizza is Italian. Yeah. yeah. Is it? Is it though? I mean, yes, it is. We can dispute the origin off air. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take this up with you later. All right. So, and, and genuinely putting effort around that, I have had some some hiccups with the way that I was raised and sort of the purity culture and religious doctrine that I I feel was very much religious trauma that has informed my sexuality and you know how comfortable I feel about certain things so that involved seeing naturopaths and hypnotherapy and all sorts of different things so it's genuinely making that connection time and that sex life important Mm -hmm. and that it matters so and that's not always easy and for those of you who struggle in that arena i would highly highly encourage you to read the book come as you are from emily nagowski she's a sex educator and it is mind-blowing because she shares a lot about how we in in many situations not just in sex but we treat men's typical man's sex drive and libido as the right way Mm. when most women don't have spontaneous arousal most women a majority like 75 percent, something like that need something to generate arousal generate desire so she can articulate it far better than i but it was really encouraging to me and i've since learned that like the fitness industry is all based off of male fitness and you know like workout it, programs and things like that exactly and yeah. i mean just look at our medications like we have anyway i could go on and on but i think that there's a lot of ways that we think there's something wrong with us when in reality it's it's not it's about us understanding ourselves better and then being able to communicate about it 
So come as you are, Emily Nagowski will put it in the show notes. It's an amazing read. It was mind-blowing for me. Nice. All right. So quick little recap with episode 400 with Mr. Smith. That's right. It's crazy. Number one, independence and interdependence. Mm. Both of those things being present, whatever that looks like for you. Number two, learning how to say what we need and the other person committing to not taking it personally, to really hearing that other person. Number three, turning towards rather than turning against or turning away. Number four, willingness to be vulnerable when you have deemed it safe to be vulnerable. Number five, play and daily maintenance, ways that you are taking care of one another every single day. And number six, making sex important. Keystones. That is all I have to say about that. Keystones. Anything else you wanted to throw in the mix? Just that, you know, none of this could have been possible without you. No. I mean, honestly, and I'm not just saying that to fluff your feathers. Your ability to foster communication and allow for that vulnerability, all those things, like, just kind of come natural to you. Yes, you've studied and you've learned a lot, but it was just kind of a natural thing for you. And it always was, it wasn't always for me. Your um, abilities in this relationship arena have have a really cultivated an amazing relationship for us. Babe. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for that acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do feel like there's been so many lessons along the way. Like oh, we've yeah. we've sure. hit kind of cruising altitude, I feel. Yeah. Where we don't have blow ups like in our early years, we did have some fights and we did yeah. have some things that we had to work through. But we've been like so solid because we just learned things that worked and stuck with those right. things. Yeah. So thank you for saying that. I yeah. I adore you, you. And I'm so glad you came on this show. Yeah, it's kind of uh, nostalgic to be <laughs> back is. in the pod room. It is. So we'll have to way. do... We'll have to do the old sign-off the way we used to. That's right. So don't forget to check the show notes. We'll have lots of resources for y'all if you want to dig deeper. And we will see you around these parts next week. Here is to loving and living your most badass life. Ms. and Mr. Smith, out. Out.